0: Good morning, Greater Alton. I'm Mike. How is everybody? Today we're wrapping up the Paradigm Shift sermon series. And next week, we're starting a new series called First. So I want to encourage you all to come back next week for that. It is Memorial Day weekend. If you are or have been a service member, will you stand up, please? Anybody? You have. I want to thank you. And uh, there's a few of you around. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. I want to thank you for your service. I know there's more people in this congregation who might be camping, might be out of town, and I have been blessed to to have service members in my family. Our country would not be the same without your service, so thank you. That being said, Memorial Day weekend, when you think of Memorial Day weekend, what do you think of? A day off, barbecue, there's a parade. I think of barbecue. Okay, I'm going to be honest, I think of barbecue, and and when I think of barbecue, that means I'm spending time with family, right? Probably. Today, we're talking about the paradigm shift that God wants us to have about our family. Um, if you want to follow along in your notes, uh, there's some passages in there, and we're going to start off with the passage that we've been reading, it's kind of our theme verse for this series. I'm going to read it out of the easy to read version because I like things that are easy to read. It says, don't change yourselves to be like the people of this world, but let God change you inside with a new way of thinking. Then you will be able to understand and accept what God wants for you. You will be able to know what is good and pleasing to Him and what is perfect. You see, I fall into a trap of thinking certain things about my family, uh, certain ways about my family. And I, I don't think I'm the only person that struggles with these, these ways of thinking that we're about to talk about. You see, God has a view on our family and He wants us to have the same view as Him. And can I, can I be honest with you guys? God's view is the best view. God's way of thinking is the best way of thinking. I used to fight against God's way of thinking about things in my life, and I lost a lot. And I struggled in my walk a lot. I struggled in my life a lot because I thought I knew it all. And I wasn't a teenager anymore when I thought I knew it all. I was a grown man. And I'm i am pretty sure I'm not the only person here who thinks at times that they know it all. And every time that I think I... I think I know it all. I fall on my face and God helps me up. So let's talk about, there's, there's three viewpoints that I thought about that apply to me and I'm sure that they apply to the rest of us here that God needs us, what does God need us to know about our families? Number one, God needs me to know that my family is His. My family is God's. In Psalms 24, verse 1, it plainly states, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all its people belong to Him. And I put a note there. See also 1 Corinthians 10:16. Paul quotes this as he's talking to the Corinthians about, about things in their life. I need to remember that my family is not mine. Blythe and Kara are given to me. Cassie is given to me. I need to remember that because if I start falling into the trap that they're mine and I hold on to them and I hold on to them tightly, I'm going to get hurt. Not because God hurts me, but because when things start to go wrong, I have no control over it. I have to remember they're God's. He's in control, right? We can agree with that? Like everything else in my life, my family is not mine. God designed my family. There's a reason that He put these three women... Oh man, three women. (laughs) He put these three women in my life. In Acts 17, Acts 17, verse 26, in the International Children's Bible, it says, God began by making one man. From him came all the different people who live everywhere in the world. He decided exactly when and where they must live. God decided exactly when and where Blythe and Kara were going to be. God designed exactly when and where on the first day of freshman year at Edwardsville High School this girl with long blonde hair and a pink shirt would walk into mrs jacobs algebra class early and talk to this boy whose mom had just spilt coffee all over his crotch that happened and that is how i met my wife my mom dropped me off at high school way early it was like 10 till 7 And as I was getting out of the car, she said, hey, give me a hug. And I said, no. And she's, give me one anyway, and backhanded her coffee all over my crotch. I would like to say that was the only time that happened, but she did the exact same thing the next morning. Can I tell you, I moved to Illinois a week before high school started, so I knew no one. That is how my high school started. But I met my wife the first day. God designed it that way. He knew that I was going to be really awkwardly embarrassed that morning, and this girl with this huge smile was going to come in, and I was going to think she was annoying, by the way, and she was going to talk to me, and I was just going to be sitting in this desk, scared, hoping the coffee would dry quickly. And from that meeting, Blythe and Cara were going to show up. I've got to remember a lot. Often, every day, my family is not mine because once I think that it's it's mine and mine alone, and I'm in control of it, then all of these problems become mine and mine alone. It's the same with anything in our life. If we think we are in control, then everything that goes wrong is our fault. If God is in control, my problems are His problems. That makes parenting a lot easier. That makes leading my family a lot easier. You see, Cassie and I are going through this thing right now with, with one of our daughters. She is, <laughs> she is, th- this daughter is stubborn and, and bullheaded and argumentative and I have no idea where she gets it. And and I joke around that we're trying to break her like a wild stallion. But sometimes, I'm going to be real, I get broken. Uh, daddy loses his patience. And I have to apologize. You see, I'm, I, I need to remember that God has placed me in their life too. Not just them in my life. I am being placed in their life. We think about God The way we view our fathers. Working with teenagers, when I start talking about all the great things that God wants for their life, all the plans that God has for their life, the fact that He wants to be in their life, there are teenagers who don't believe me. Because their fathers are not in their life. Their fathers don't have great plans for their life. When I think of God, I think of somebody like my dad. I have a better view of God now, but if I'm looking at my family as God's, I'm going to want them to see God, their Heavenly Father. And I really want my daughters to see God through me. This morning on uh, CBS Sunday Morning, um, they were talking about one of my heroes. And uh, I don't know if you know him. His name is Mr. Rogers. Um, I don't know if you guys know much about him, especially the younger generation. You did not have the luxury of growing up with somebody telling you on television that they love you and want you to be their neighbor. It's, it's weird in today's culture, right? He meant it. Have you, there's a documentary out about him right now, um, and, and sometimes I can't fall asleep, my brain won't shut off, and one of my favorite things to turn on on YouTube, there's an interview with Mr. Rogers, because when he was getting older, there was a, a person who didn't want the world to forget about him, and they wanted to know a bunch of stuff about his life, and he'll sit there and just start talking about all these people in his life, and there's a genuine love there. And we we're talking about Mr. Rogers this morning with my daughters. And they're like talking about how uh, there was a, uh, an African-American gentleman. He was the, the cop in the neighborhood. And back in the 60s, Mr. Rogers and him put their feet in a kiddie pool together. That doesn't seem like a big deal today. But in the height of what was going on in the late 60s, that was a huge deal. And this gentleman is talking in this interview, and he starts crying. He said, For the first time in my life, I had a man look me in the eye and tell me he loved me, and I knew he meant it. And we're talking to Blythe and Kara about that. And I just mentioned like how I see God through Mr. Rogers. And I said, I hope one day somebody can say that about me. And Cara jumped up on my lap. She goes, "I, I can say that, Daddy. I'm like, You're just being cute. But one day, I hope my children can look at me and say, I saw God through my dad. Are we leading our families on a path that leads to God? It's a question I have to ask myself all the time, especially when Cassie's saying you're spending too much time in front of the television. Which, that's like a weekly conversation. I'm gonna be honest. What are you doing to lead Blythe and Cara to God? I have to remember that my family is not mine. It's God's. And He has put me to be a steward of my family. Second, the second thing that I think God wants us to realize about our family is that God has given me a bigger family than I realize. God has given me a bigger family than I realize. In Matthew 12, verses 46 through 50, Jesus is talking. It says, as Jesus was speaking to the crowd, his mother and brothers stood outside, asking to speak to him. Someone told Jesus, your mother and brothers are standing outside and they want to speak to you. Jesus asked, who is my mother? Who are my brothers? Then he pointed to his disciples and said, look, these are my mother and brothers, Anyone who does the will of My Father in heaven is My brother and sister and mother. In Ephesians 2.19, Paul writes, That is why you are no longer foreigners and outsiders, but citizens together with God's people and members of God's family. And in Galatians 6.10, He writes, whenever we have the opportunity, we have to do what is good for everyone, especially for the family of believers. How often have I neglected this, my family, because I didn't see them as my family? We are connected by blood. Not the blood that runs through your veins, but the blood that ran through Christ's. And it was poured out for us. Christ was poured out like a drink offering. He died a death he didn't have to. That he shouldn't have. Because of something I did. Because of something we did. He didn't stay dead. He resurrected. He came out of the grave. And because of that, we are able to come to Him. We're able to be washed by His blood in the waters of baptism and have our sins forgiven. We are able to join Him in the new creation because He is the firstborn of a new creation. And we're able to join Him in this new family, this new humanity as one big family. And that family doesn't stop in this circle building. I'm going to say something. I believe it wholeheartedly to be true. We're not the only church. I know, right? I just got fired. We are little C church. There's a big C church that we are a part of. We are a small portion of God's family. And there are churches that don't share our name. They're a part of God's family. Mr. Rogers was a minister. Not of the churches of Christ. Not of the Christian church. Not of a non-denominational church. But he shared God's love. And I have a hard time believing that He's going to be in hell. There are people outside of our brand that I have a hard time believing they're going to be in hell. In fact, I don't believe it. I was talking to somebody and I can't remember where or when this conversation was but they're asking who is God's family and I said do they do the will of God and do their best to follow His commands and walk in step with His will if Jesus Christ is Lord of somebody's life it's going to be obvious And if Jesus Christ is Lord of somebody's life, He's also Lord of my life, that means we're family. So how often have I neglected the family of God because they weren't born to me or I wasn't born to them? Think about this. There's somebody in your immediate family who has a need. You do your best to help them, right? If Blythe fell and cut her knee and was actually bleeding and not thinking she was bleeding and needed a Band-Aid, I'd do my best to help her. Now, I am the dad that says, shake it off, rub some dirt in it, you'll be fine. And I get scolded often because she's actually hurt. I don't see blood. She's actually hurt. Get her an ice pack. Okay. There are needy people in this room. And they're part of your family. Wouldn't it be awesome if there were no needy people in this room? Wouldn't it be awesome? I'm guilty of this, okay? I'm guilty of this, that I don't always see you guys as my family. I really try. But there are times when I don't see it, so I don't do anything. We are family. It's awesome. Cassie and I try to teach our girls this idea that we have a family that's more than... Poppy and Gigi, and Papa and Nana, and assorted aunts and uncles and cousins. We have a family that's bigger than that. And it's really awesome because my daughters have Aunt Jen and Uncle Billy and Uncle Pat and Aunt Emily and Uncle Michael and Aunt Melissa and Uncle Nathan and Aunt Nicole. They call them Uncle and Aunt. And it's just become natural. Natural. I'm Uncle Mike to kids that weren't born in the family that I was born into. And can I tell you, it's awesome being Uncle Mike. This morning I got to hold Lucy and I had her laughing and giggling and it was fantastic. Loved it. And later on, when she's bigger, I can give her all the sugar that I want to give her and send her home. Because I'm Uncle Mike and I can do that. Pat just turned off my PowerPoint. (laughs) Emily concurs. (laughs) Because I view them as family, my children view them as family. Yesterday, our family got to help Brian and for move because they're selling their house. Woo! I know you guys did a lot more than I did, but can I tell you, right here and right here, hurt, and I know exactly what did it. I walked up and I'm like, hey Mike, that cat litter box needs to go. And I go, okay. 300 pounds of lead. Ugh. And I moved it. Oh, yeah. It was awesome. But, <sighs> but they're our family and our family showed up with them. Our entire small group was there. Well, almost our entire small group was there. A lot of our small group was there. And it was great because that's our family. Because we look at them like they are our family. When someone was baptized here at Greater Alton, we sing a song, we gather around up here in a big circle, we hold hands and sing, I'll never be the same again. It's not the song we always sang. We used to sing another song. We're part of a family that's been born again. We used to sing this song. Sometimes we still do. But we'd hold hands and we'd sing. And we were and are a family. The first thing you heard when you came up out of the water, the first song you heard was a song affirming that you're now part of a bigger family than you were before. So how do you view your Christian family? Do you view them as separate, something different than your mom and dad and your brothers and sisters? Or are they your family? How do you view your Christian family? And I'm not telling you it's possible to be close with everybody in this room. I'm not close with the family on earth that God has given me to everybody in it. My family's big. We have people all over the country. And you're probably not close to every member of your family that God has given you on earth either. But you know them. I try to know everybody that comes in here, but it's too impossible. There's a lot of us. But if every one of us knows a few of us, we're all going to be connected. And can I mention small groups at this point? Because I, I our small group, I don't know how people can do life without a small group. It astounds me when I hear say there are people in our church that aren't connected to a small group. You might have your reasons, but can I tell you why I'm connected to a small group? Because I'd be lost without my family. There are My children would be either A, spoiled rotten or hellions without the people in my life that have helped me raise them. Because Cassie and I, we are told we have good daughters. I debate that, but we are told that we have good daughters. And like every other kid, they're good for everybody but the parent. I understand that. But, but I wouldn't have the daughters that I have without people like Mike and Kim Kiffmeyer, without people like Billy and Jen, without people like Gary and Susan, without those people in my life that I've been able to learn from who are Who are there to walk with me and point stuff out to me when I'm being a jerk. And there's more than just those six people. There's tons of people in our life who have walked with us and given us guidance and direction and allowed us to learn from their mistakes. Because I have a family that's bigger than what I was born into on earth. So how do you view your Christian family? and are you teaching your children to see them as family see if we want the paradigm to shift one it has to start with us but two we have to help those that are coming behind us at our house if you're at our house at dinner time you're at our table i don't care if you're eating or not most of the time people end up eating but if you're at our house at dinnertime, you're at our table. And we have taught our daughters that if you're at our house at dinner, you're at our table and you are family. And I've said that up here before, but they have aunts and uncles because one person started coming for dinner every once in a while and they became Uncle Matt, Aunt Melissa. That's just a little a little way you can help the next generation to see each other as family. Third thing. The third third thing God wants us to see about our family is that my family has a God-given purpose. God did not just put Blythe and Kara in my life just to put them in my life. God did not just put the teens in my life to put them in my life. God did not just put you in my life just to put you in my life. Back in Matthew 12, verse 50, My true brothers and sisters and mother are those who do the things that my Father in Heaven wants. God wants us to do something. He has desires for our lives. He has desires for our family. He has a purpose for you. In Luke 2, 49, Jesus is a young boy and he went to the temple with his parents and they left and realized Jesus wasn't with them. And they're like, uh, Jesus? And they went back to the temple and found Him there. And when they're like, what are you doing? He says this. He says, And He said to them, why did you seek Me? Did you not know that I must be about My Father's business? You see, Jesus has a purpose sent from His Father. And He understands that. His parents didn't. I need to understand that God not only has a purpose for my life and my kids' life, but for my family as well. i got to ask you a question. And I ask myself this all the time. And I want you to ask yourself this question. Am I trying to make my family's name great, or am I trying to make God's name great? I don't want Blythe and Kara to think that they're somebody because their last name is Dinius. I want them to think that they have purpose because their dad is in heaven. There's a, a minister named John Piper, and if you want to listen to him, drink some coffee before you do. He has a monotonous voice. And he he goes on for a while, but what he usually says is deep. And you gotta think about you gotta chew on it for a while, all right? You gotta chew on it for a while. And I have a lesson he taught called God is an Egomaniac. And in it he talks about how there's this there's this hang up a lot of people have about God because God is always about making himself great. Says God's an egomaniac. He talks about how that's Oprah's hang up. I don't think that's Oprah's only hang up. But he talks about these people, these celebrities who talk about how God is always trying to make his name great. Why do we have to make God's name great? Can can I just God's name is great. We don't have to make it great. But we're supposed to give him glory. And if we're giving him glory, it means we're walking in line with what he says. And what He says is the best way to live life. So in reality, us worshiping God and glorifying Him is actually helping us. That's a whole big theological debate that we can get into. We don't have time this morning because I know you want to get to the barbecue. But God knows that if our priorities aren't in line with His teaching, then we are not going to experience the full life that Jesus talks about in John 10.10. And we're going to forget that there's actually a thief who wants to come and steal. John 10.10 says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. Our Father wants us to have a full life. And He has a purpose for our life. He has a purpose for our family. You see, awards and trophies are not bad things. Good grades are not bad things. Honor rolls are not bad things. Sports teams and clubs are not bad things. However, when they take a priority over God, they become an idol. And again, next week, we're starting... A sermon series on God's priorities. I welcome you to come back and look at how God's priorities can line up with our life. But we have to choose. We have to choose what we are pursuing. Are we going to pursue God and what He wants for our life? Or are we going to pursue first place medals? And honor honor roll accolades. I do believe that everything you do should be done as if you're working for God. But at some point, if you choose that thing over God, it becomes an idol. So don't hear me say, go flunk out of school. Don't hear me say, abandon that sports team. But there's got to be a priority. God has to come first. And we have to teach our children that. Are we leading our children to see God's purpose in their lives? And do we even know what God's purpose for our family is? Jesus came to seek and save that which is lost, and He's the head of the church. He's the head of this family. And if the head of the family came to seek and save which is lost, He wants to use His family to help seek and save that which is lost. Your family is a light in a dark place. People look, people have, I'm not just saying this, but people have told me and Cassie, Cassie and I, that they want a family like ours. I did nothing to get the family that I have other than try my best to follow God and what He says about my life and what He says about my family. I am to lead my children to know God and His decrees. I'm not supposed to make each of them the next Billy Graham. They might be the person who teaches Sunday school that reaches the one kid that nobody else could. And that's as good as being the next Billy Graham. They might do behind-the-scenes, subtle things that nobody else is ever going to know they do. And I will be so excited to watch it. Because it's not about them. It's not about me. It's about what God wants and what God needs for them and my family and our family. No one's purpose is insignificant. Somebody had to raise every single historical figure. For instance, do you know who Gamaliel is? Some of us do. Gamaliel is the person, he had two roles in the Bible. One, he taught Paul. Two, when they were discussing what they should do about the new church, he said, why should we do anything? If it's from God, it's going to keep going. Only two two times he shows up in the Bible. He's mentioned as Paul's teacher and he's mentioned saying that. But he taught Paul. And Paul knew the Scripture. Maybe you're a Gamaliel. Maybe you're somebody who's not even mentioned. We all have a purpose in our family that God has given us. So now what? <laughs> we, I've, I've talked to you about these three things that I believe for myself and for us that God wants us to view our family different, but so what? What, what now? What do we do? Um, I don't know if they've noticed, but over the past like year, I have subtly talked to the high schoolers about what I believe my mission statement, if I had to choose one, would be. And I, I've mentioned this stuff a few times, but I've never come out and said, 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 That this is the mission statement I've chosen for my life. And if I could, if I had to, if you had to force me to choose a mission statement, right now, for us, this is what it would be. Connect. Grow. Serve. See, if you want your viewpoint for family, your family's viewpoint for family to change, it sounds simple. It's not. Connect. Grow serve the connecting part is where my daughter's view many of you as aunts and uncles as grandparents as brothers and sisters as cousins we've connected them to people and shown them this is your family we verbalize that we say this is our family we connect I connect with people that I look to as spiritual brothers and spiritual sisters. I connect. I grow. I'm every day in God's Scripture, and it's not always easy. It has been 195 days since I last not had a quiet time. You version is awesome. They've updated it and gives you a counter now. And like the other day I'm sitting there getting ready for the sermon and it says, congratulations, you hit 190 days. <laughs> what? There was a time where I struggled with my quiet time. And in doing so, I struggled with my walk with God and I struggled with seeing my family. I have to grow. My family has to grow. If I'm growing and my family's growing, God's kingdom is growing. God's family is growing. So I connect, I grow, and I serve. I don't like serving, honestly. When they say it's time to serve, and I did a lesson on serving a little while ago, and in it, I said this too, it's hard to get off the couch. Once I'm off the couch, man. I look forward to edge. You need to serve with people. I had fun yesterday with Brian and Jafer and, and our small group moving. It was a blast. We were nasty, sweaty, and stank to high heaven when we got home. I didn't take a shower right away. I fell asleep. And when I woke up, I was like, "Ugh, a <laughs> stank. But it was fun. And my daughter got to play with Will. They love playing with Will. We had a great time. And the cool part is, in like, hopefully three weeks, they get to come help me move. (laughs) We're going to have fun again. (gasps) But I'm, this mission statement for my life, connect, grow, serve. If that's what I'm looking at, I'm connecting with God's people, I'm connecting with God and I'm serving His people, I'm not going to have a problem seeing God's people as my family. Because there is no better way for me to, to love somebody and feel the love from somebody than service. Connect. Grow. Serve. You see, I believe that as a family, we can shine a light into a dark world. I'm at Greater Alton because of the love of God's family. It wasn't great preaching And honestly, it wasn't the music. I I felt really awkward the first time I came here because of the clapping. If you watch me sing, I still can't clap and sing at the same time. It wasn't that. It it was the love that was here. That God's family loved each other, and they loved the lost. They cared about the people that weren't connected to this family. The people in the darkness who were stumbling and tripping and getting hurt and getting broken. And they wanted them to come into the light so that they could be healed and they could be filled with God and that we could share eternity together. Our family has a purpose that is given to us by God. Today and this weekend as we're going to barbecues and we're going with family Is there somebody here who doesn't have anywhere to go that you know? I can't tell you how many times we've invited people to Christmas. To Easter. For Mother's Day. For Father's Day. Because they were going to be alone. And they needed to be with their family. I pray for us that we can see that. That we can see that our family is not ours. It's His. That we can see that our family has a purpose. And that we can see our family is so much bigger than what we realize. In your bulletin, there's a communication card. And there's a place that you can fill out prayer. If you need prayer, we have a prayer team here who prays over all the communication cards. And they don't go about talking to everybody about what's on these communication cards. They only talk to God about it. If you need prayer, fill that card out. Put it in the offering plate as it goes by. If you're a guest here, we ask that you don't give. Don't give any money to this church. We did not want you to come here, to come to church with our family, just to get something from you. That's not why we're here. We're here because we want to share Jesus with you. And I hope this morning you have seen Jesus. If you are a member here, the offering plate will go by and you can put your communication card in too. I hope that you guys have a great weekend with family this weekend. And I hope that we can see God's family the way He wants us to. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank You so much for my family. I know that You look at Your family and You desire unity. I hope that we can see Your family as our family and build that unity. Help us to connect not just to Your family here, but outside these walls. Help us to to work to make Your name greater than our names. I want to thank You for everything that You're doing, for the blessings that You're pouring out on my family here. Um, I, I pray for those that are ill or sick right now that You strengthen them and heal their body, Father. Um, and I want to pray for my family here that You continue to help us to work towards... Your purpose, and not our own. We want to see Your will done here on earth. We love You, Father. In Your name I pray. Amen.